I'm very, uh, very thankful for the opportunity to preach here this evening. Um, now, if you have your Bibles, we can go ahead and turn, um, if you want to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to go through a couple of verses here in Hebrews chapter 11 um, this evening. Um, also, I want to say, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful, you know, for the, the new mother in my life. Um, and just a kind of a side note, and this is just a little bit of preaching before we get into the preaching, but she is a mother. And this is a redeemed conversation, but so many times in, in life you like you think about, oh, mother-to-be, mother-to-be. No, I'm like, she's a mother. There's a baby. There's a child there. It's a person. The conversation in the world is, she's not a mother yet, but she is. And we need to redeem the conversation and say, you know what? That's a person there. And every time you say, oh, no, she's not a mother yet, you're, you're buying into their conversation. That's, their, that's the world. It's a person. So i got to move on from that. I'm very... It gets me steamed up on that one, and it's, it's, a, it's a strong issue, and that's how we redeem the conversation. We don't allow them to turn a fetus into a non-person. They make up all these terms for it to kind of get past it, but... Anyways, that's, that's free. Now, um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn, again, if you haven't gotten there yet, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read two verses here. Um, kind of covered these actually last week in Children's Church, and I was, like, I was actually thinking about some of the context here and some of the things going on here. Um, but it's in, in Hebrews 11, verses 20 and 21. It says this, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now, I'm going to ask God to bless the message this evening and, and use it to challenge our lives. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to, to study and, and hear from your word. I'd ask, Father, that you would speak through me and, and you know, challenge myself and, and everyone here uh, to live closer to you as a result of of the sermon and the message this evening. Pray, Father, that you touch our lives um, and use it to your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So these verses here, it, it kind of covers um, a very simple, simple fact of the scriptures. If you go back to the stories, but it's there's a lot in these stories. And we're going to kind of go back and look at the passages where these these stories take place to kind of unpack what's going on here. Um, just because sometimes if you do a cursory reading of this chapter, now, and, and if you're any familiar at all with Hebrews chapter 11, there's a lot of ground that's covered in here. It goes through much of the Old Testament and many of the stories. And sometimes if you just kind of read it as a cursory glance, you can maybe miss some of the things that are going on here. And these two particular verses highlight something particular about faith. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, to cover that one first, go back to Genesis 25. And many of you are familiar with the story of Isaac and particularly Jacob and Esau and their strong friendship as kids growing up. Um, now, read this verse here. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, that verse doesn't seem to highlight a lot of what went on. Like, that, that seems almost just very pleasant in the description there. But if we go back to Genesis 25, 
And reading in verse 19, I'm going to read just a few verses here. And it says this, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister to Laban the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And listen to this last part here. And the elder shall serve the younger. So now it goes into the birth and right here at the end of the chapter, you know, verses 27 to 34 is the story of as Jacob and Esau grow up and they're born and they're struggling and they have this sibling rivalry going on. You recall the time when Esau is out in the field and he comes in after a, a hard days. Maybe he's been out for a few days. He's, he's, he's just famished and he's hungry. And he sells his birthright to Jacob. So Jacob, in a very cunning manner, very deceitfully, steals. But technically he buys it. But he's really stealing the birthright from Esau. Now, if you recall, back in those times, the custom was that the elder or the eldest took on the blessing and took on the family name and carried on the heritage of the family. And so here we have Jacob and his name, interestingly, means supplanter or somebody who steals or takes. It means, I mean, he, his name means deceit. But Jacob takes over the birthright and continuing on further on in the story, if you go into 27 in chapter 27 of Genesis, and we won't go all into the detail of the whole story. But if you recall, again, the, it, the com- time comes for for Isaac to bless the children, to bless his children, and to bless particularly his eldest son with the family name and with the heritage, everything going on with that. And as that time comes on, Rebecca hears what's going on, and she gets her favorite son, who happens to be Jacob, and says, hey, your dad is trying to bless Esau right now. Give him the blessing of the family, and give him, you know, to pass on the heritage. And he's asked him to make venison. I'm making it right now. Go in and trick your dad. Go in and steal the blessing. So already Jacob has the birthright. And Rebecca helps Jacob with his conniving plan. And if you recall, these two brothers, Jacob was very fair, didn't have a lot of hair, but Esau was hairy and he smelled like a field. And so she gets some goat skin and he puts that on and he goes in and he smells like the field. And as he goes in, he's very afraid that his dad is going to find him out. But Isaac is blind and he doesn't pick up on it. He, th- he, he has like a mind about it, but he, he thinks, oh, hold on, this is it. And in, in verse 26 of chapter 27 of Genesis, this is what it says. And his father Isaac said unto him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. And said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field, which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. 
Now listen to this part in 29. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So here we have... That now, first of all, Isaac asks, are you, are you Esau my son? You, you sound like him. And he feels his, his skin. He's like, okay, you're him. And he comes close. And when he says, come near and kiss me, he's thinking, okay, you know what? This is my last chance. Like, I'll let's see if my senses reveal what's going on here. He gets close to Jacob and he smells him. He feels his arms. And it's like that hairy goat skin. It's like, oh, this has got to be Jake, or this has got to be Esau. Now, I feel sorry for Esau. <laughs> Seriously, his dad thinks, oh, <laughs> this goat skin and the smell of the field. <laughs> this has got to be my oldest son. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. If, you're, if you thought it was your son because you felt goat skin and he smelled like the dirt of the field, it's just, I don't know. But he tricks him, he steals the blessing, and the part of that blessing is that your brothers or your brethren will serve you. So not only did he get the birthright, he has the blessing that his father says, your older siblings or any of your siblings, for that matter, are going to bless you. Now, typically, that's going to be given to the oldest or the firstborn in the family. And the younger will then be subservient to the older sibling or the older brother of the family. He'll take on that patriarchal position in that family. Whereas Jacob gets that here. Now, if we go back over to Hebrews 11 and read that next verse... I want you to notice something here. It says, By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon his staff. Now, this kind of, in the story, skips a generation, if you realize. So, first of all, Jacob stole the blessing from Isaac to become the patriarch. Now, Jacob, when you look at his sons, and we'll just, we're not going to go too much into this in detail right now, but if you think about it, Jacob's sons, they have a messed up family. He has four wives, sons by every one of them, completely messed up. He's got six sons by Leah, two by Bilhah, two by Zilpah, and two by Rachel. Messed up family. Very confused. Now, how many of you know who Jacob's oldest son is? Anybody? Offhand? Reuben. And then you've got Simeon and Levi and Judah. And just in passing here, if you think about it, of, of Jacob's sons, who is the one who is really truly blessed of all of his sons? The one who is the line of Christ is Judah. That's his fourth-born son. Like, his oldest sons, they kind of get passed over the blessing because Reuben was a horrible leader, did not take over the family, did not lead well. Simeon and Levi, they were a part of the whole Dinah debacle, and they were murderers, and they lost the blessing. And it goes to the fourth, because the three oldest sons were out of the running. And then by the time it gets down to it, Jacob is blessing the sons of Joseph. Now, if you turn over to Genesis in chapter 48, I want you to notice something very odd about the way the blessing of Joseph's sons went. 
Now, this starts in verse 16. It says, The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hands, hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. So if you recall, Joseph, who is the second to the youngest of Joseph uh, of Jacob's children, is in here. And he's the one, if you recall, was sent to Egypt and and through his life of, of many challenges, rose up into power in Egypt and was able to rescue the family from famine in, in Israel and brought them into Egypt. And it's there when we, when we see that Jake, or Joseph has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And now, if you, if you hear the names, and many of you are familiar with, with Scripture, you always say Ephraim and Manasseh. But Manasseh was the firstborn, and Ephraim was the secondborn. But because, and I don't know, it, it actually rolls off your tongue easier to say Ephraim and Manasseh. I don't know why. It's just the way it is. If you try to say Manasseh and Ephraim, it kind of sounds odd. And it, it, the fact is that Jacob here, and it, the way this situation happened was, Joseph brings in his two sons, and he actually deliberately brings them in. So Jacob is there, and he brings up so it's Ephraim and Manasseh. So Ephraim is on the right and, or no, Ephraim is on the left and Manasseh is on Jacob's right hand. And as they come in, his right hand is right there above Manasseh and his left hand is right above Ephraim. And Jacob, as he does the blessing, puts his hands like this because he's blessing them simultaneously. Now, the, the position would have been that Whoever is on the right hand gets the blessing of the eldest, and everyone else on the left hand gets the remaining blessing. And if you look back, that I believe that would have been God's intention for how it should have been done with Jacob and Esau. And at this point, Jacob, I think, realizes what God's intention was. It wasn't for him to be a deceiver and a trick, to use trickery. He was supposed to use God's direction. And Jacob now does what Isaac should have done, but puts his hand in the wrong order. And Joseph is like, whoa, 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 wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then that's why you read there. Jacob's like, I know what I'm doing. And he does the blessing and he blesses so that Ephraim, the secondborn, is blessed above them. Now, it's interesting if you look down the line, just kind of as you look down the line with what happens with the different tribes, again... Reuben is disqualified from, from leading the family because he's so unstable and wishy-washy. 
Simeon and Levi get disqualified. Now, Levi was kind of redeemed in the fact that he becomes the priesthood. But Judah is the fourthborn and is the one who carries on the legacy for, uh, you know, for the Messiah. And that's where, you know, we get King David from. And interestingly, just a side note, David is the seventh of seven sons. Nowhere near the firstborn. But that's just kind of a side note. And as it goes in there, if you look at it, now also, if you remember Reuben Manasseh, I don't know if you, if you think about it, but remember the half-tribe of Manasseh? Reuben and Manasseh are a part of the tribes that didn't go over into Israel and decided to stay and not go into the land of Canaan. They decided to stay on this side of the Jordan. They decided not to go in and fully recognize and realize God's blessing. I don't know if you know where Ephraim fits into that story. Does anybody know? Ephraim? Do you know who the leader of the tribe of Ephraim was? Joshua. Joshua was from the tribe of Ephraim. Manasseh, the second born, or the, the original firstborn, doesn't recognize the full blessings of God and decides to stay back. Ephraim takes the strength and in the tribes of Judah, when you look at it, Joseph gets a double blessing and both of his sons are the tribes of, of Judah or of the tribes of Israel. Ephraim is the one who goes on. Manasseh stays back and is only halfway there. He only half realizes the blessing of God. And a lot of interesting history, and I don't want to necessarily hyper-spiritualize these stories to the point where it's like, you know, too much allegory or whatever else, but... There are a lot of interesting connections and the fact that you look at it and in Hebrews, it says that these blessings were done by faith. Now, if you think about culture in that day and time, it's not uncommon to bless your children. It's the way it was done is what is done by faith. That's the important part here. Now, customarily, you'd say, oh, Jacob is blessing his grandsons. There's nothing uncommon about that. What's uncommon is the order of the blessing and the fact that the youngest is elevated above the oldest. Now, interestingly, among all the patriarchs, if you look at the four generations of the patriarchs, not one of them is the firstborn. So, Abraham... Who did he pass his lineage on to? Isaac, his secondborn. Who did Isaac pass on his blessing to? Jacob, the secondborn. Jacob passed his blessing on to Joseph, his second to last, as well as Judah, the fourthborn. And then the next generation you see with Joseph, it's switched with Ephraim and Manasseh, and it's the youngest ones that lead and, and take forth the charge. So in, in all of these things, we see that it's, it's actually the, the blessing that's being highlighted here is the fact that the blessing that God intended was for the youngest to serve, or the oldest to serve the youngest, which is countercultural. It's against what the whole world is doing. If everyone were to look at the patriarchal lineage, in the day and time, especially if they 
if you, if you think about it, they're in the East, and it's all a patriarchal society. Every one of them, like, even Joseph himself says, not so, Father, because he's the youngest. They, they recognize in that culture that, oh, hold on, no, the oldest is supposed to take on the patriarchy. And everything that's done here, and the reason it's highlighted, especially in Hebrews, is that in order to do that, it required a great deal of faith to go against what would have been normal for the rest of society. The rest of society is saying, no, the oldest is the one who takes it on. But we, we see over and over again this pattern being repeated. Now, how many of you have siblings in here? And then everyone else is probably an only child, right? Now, if you think about this, this has nothing to do... When we try to apply this to our lives, when we try to think about the application of this older, younger, if you're an only child, does it not matter? No, like, there, there's, a, there's a point when you look at the overall principle here that God is driving home when it comes to the firstborn. And it's, I, I want you to think about one thing, and this is going to be the, the most obvious statement you've probably ever heard me say. But, th- just think about this for a moment. The firstborn is always the oldest. Think about that for a second. The firstborn is always the oldest. Right? Is everyone with me for, right now? The firstborn is always the oldest. Now, I'm actually the youngest from growing up. And if you think about that, now, how many of you have older siblings? Older siblings? I don't know about what it, what it is, but when you're growing up, your older siblings always seem stronger and more powerful than you. They're the ones who ring control. They're dominant. They're, they, have, they have the strength. And now, mind you, I have an older sister. Growing up, she still always seemed stronger than me. And by the time it got to the point where I was stronger than her, it didn't really matter because I wasn't going to do anything about it. It, it. By the time I got strong enough to, to actually physically overpower her, I couldn't. I mean, she's a girl. <laughs> you know, the whole time in my life, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one day. And then by the time I finally am... I'm a guy. It doesn't matter. It's a girl. You know? And same thing. Now, for guys, if you're the oldest brother, for some reason, it seems like the oldest brothers are always the strongest ones. It doesn't matter. I think about Jacob and Esau, just, you know, thinking about their story. Now, mind you, remember this. Jacob is away from home for 20-something years before he sees his brother again. While he is away, he has 12 children plus, and he's a leader among that family. He's strong. He comes back. He's afraid of his older brother. Now, th- think about that for a moment. Like, think about Jacob and the person who went down and th- the man he grew up to be. He's still afraid of his older brother. Because the firstborn is always the oldest. And in your mind, they're always stronger. 
And if you think about your siblings, if you're the oldest, you, you know you have this power over your younger siblings that will never go away. Even if it's in their head, it's never going to go away. It, it's always there. It's always present. It's always top of mind. Whenever you come up against that, you always know you're, you're not going to win. You're not going to beat them. Because the firstborn is always the oldest. They're always the strongest. You're never going to beat them. You're never going to be able to overtake them. They have, they have the experience. They, they have the understanding that you're never going to have. And it's kind of in that line where you think about the patriarchal society and the patriarchal mentality. That person who's the oldest and who always has that strength and who always has that power, even among their siblings, who else but them would you want to lead and to be in charge of the family? Would you want the youngest to take the lead when they've spent their whole life in the shadow of their older sibling? No. You, you have to go with that. But, by faith, Isaac and Jacob and their children, they went against the culture. And the younger, or one of the younger, was the one who was in charge. And, and God flipped the order and said, no, the younger is going to be in charge. Now, again, you're thinking, well, if I don't have siblings, if I don't have this, it doesn't really make a difference, right? But let me ask you a question. How many of you in here are born again? How many of you in here are born again? So by that, if, if you're not familiar with the terminology, I'm saying how many of you are saved? Now, if you think about the terminology, when God says, when Jesus describes salvation, he says, ye must be born again. He says, you must have a second birth. You must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. So, anybody in who is born again, if you have come to the place in your life where you recognize that God deems you a sinner and that you need salvation, and that salvation can only be found in Jesus Christ, if you come to God in repentance and turn from your sin to the new life, you're born again. And when you ask God for forgiveness and you see salvation, you turn to God and you see that you're born again. And it's described that you have a new life in Christ. Because the old man has passed away and behold, all things are become new. So when you come before God and say, I admit I'm a sinner and without Christ, I cannot see salvation. I need Christ. And you turn from your sin and you turn toward Christ. You, you forsake that old life. It's a second birth. Now, think about this. The second birth always comes after the first birth. Right? The second birth comes after the first birth. So, everyone in here who raised your hand in testimony of having been born again, your new life in Christ is your second birth. Do you know what your first birth was? We're kind of celebrating mothers today, right? But you were born. That's your first birth. You're born. Everyone in here was born. Everyone. 
When you come to know Christ as your Savior, you're born again. Now, in all of this, just think about this for a moment. The firstborn is always the oldest. That's true for every one of us. The firstborn, our fleshly life, our flesh, our life lived after this world is first. When we're born again, that's second. And if you think about that, living in faith goes not only against culture, it goes against our very own nature. And when we look at the life, when we look at the book of Hebrews and we look at Hebrews chapter 11 and it says by faith, and we look at the fact that these men were able to see, you know what? The culture says that the youngest is weak and the older is stronger. God flipped the script on that one and said, no, the elder is going to serve the younger. It goes against culture. It goes against nature itself. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but for me, I always find it a struggle to live and to, to make a choice for God. Not that it's difficult or that I, you know, oh, I'm always having this problem or always having the same problem over and over again. But our natural bent is towards sin. Our natural bent is towards selfishness. Our natural bent is to do what we want. Because our flesh, that life of the flesh, that life of our body, of our self, is always older. And it's always going to be stronger because our new life is in Christ. Now, I'm sorry about that one. It's not always going to be stronger because when we live by faith in Christ... Our new life is given an elevated status. It's given strength because by faith we're able to go against what is natural and what is the cultural expect expectation. So if you think about your life, every one of us who's been born again, we always have that war going on between the flesh and between the spirit. And that spiritual birth, that second birth, even doesn't matter how long it's been. If you were born 40 years ago and you were saved 20 years ago, your fleshly self is always 20 years older. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter if you were saved when you were five. It's always older. It doesn't matter how late in life you were saved. You have the same struggle that everyone who's been saved since they were kids. We all have the same struggle because we all have the same flesh. So it's not to say it's some kid who got saved when they were five or you if you got saved when you're in your 50s or in your 80s. It doesn't make a difference in the fact that we all have that same struggle. We all have that same flesh that wants to have dominion over us. But God's desire is that the younger is the master. He wants that new life, the new life we have in Christ. He wants that to be stronger and elevated. And so when we look at our lives and we take a, st- a step back and say, you know what? Like, listen to this again. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Both of these things were done in faith, recognizing that God had a different plan than what was culturally accepted and the cultural norm. We can do the same thing. Each and every one of us, if you've been born again, you have the strength of God on your side to overcome the flesh. 
And it's just like the verses that have been kind of highlighted all year. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The just shall live by his faith. That, that faith that's going to allow your spiritual life to win and have a victory every day is a consistent walk. It's hearing the word of God, spending time in God's word, and allowing God to have more control in your life, and exercising faith in him just by walking daily with him is what you're going to is how you're going to see that victory now if you just sit back and kind of let life happen you're not going to live a life of faith you can't just let life happen you can't just sit back because if you sit back and just go with your natural flow and just kind of go with it the older is going to become stronger the older is going to have the victory. The older is going to find that strength because the firstborn is always the oldest. So if you sit back, you're just going to let it have control. That's why we have to be sober, be vigilant. We have to be engaged in the Christian life. You can't just sit back and let it happen. That's why you have to live a life intentionally. And to live intentionally, it's rather simple. It's take time in God's word, daily. Pray. Have communication with him. Feed the flesh. And the flesh is going to become stronger. Feed the spirit. The spirit will become stronger. Take time to feed the spirit. Being in church on a Sunday night is exactly where you need to be. You're going to be encouraging, be encouraged by fellow saints. And you're going to be encouraged and challenged to live a closer walk with God. Don't just sit back. And again, if you've been here years, or if you're brand new, this is it's the same for all of us. We're all in that same boat where if you don't, if you don't pursue godliness, it's not going to just happen on accident. You have to be intentional about it. And if you think about all your, if you think about the kids, if you see the kids running around here, they're kind of in that same boat. You know, it's like, we're all sinners. All of us. From the, the littlest kid up to the oldest adult here, we're all sinners. And if we just kind of let ourselves go, we're going to go right back to our old habits. We're going to right back to our old sinful ways. Because that's what's easiest. That's what's natural. So my challenge for you this evening would be, you know, look at the blessing and look, look at the way that... God kind of flipped the script with the patriarchs in the Old Testament and said, you know what, my desire is that the young or that the, the eldest serve the younger. God flipped the script and he wants us to be able to do the same thing. So this evening, if you um, bow your heads, close your eyes, we'll have a, a word of prayer and we'll, we'll take a moment to think about this. Um, we may have the piano play for just a moment, um, but just, just think about your life and, and think about... You know, just the, the context of faith and allowing, you know, God to lead and not, you know, live a life where you're hunted by the flesh. If We'll take a, a moment just while the piano plays. So if you, if God's spoken to your heart about allowing God to have control instead of the flesh, you know, just take a moment to speak to God.